0: Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Take your Bibles to Genesis one. Have you ever wondered why the Lord heals people in so many different ways? You ever wondered why? Who has an idea? Blurt it out. Unless you're from Alabama and you're a Tide fan. (laughs) Blurt that out. Why does the Lord heal in so many different ways? Because he loves us. It's because he loves us and he loves to heal. Does that make sense? Imagine you're married and your spouse has discovered 50 ways to express their love to you. And so the Lord, all the ladies are like, please (laughs) lay hands on my husband. (laughs) So the Lord, the Lord heals us in so many ways. It is wonderful to theologically discover the details of it all, that's fine. But theology should lead you into doxology, which is worship. And worship takes place when we behold the Lord through the scriptures and through the reality of who he is and through love. The Bible says that we worship him because we are the sheep of his pasture. So we worship because we're his and we're in love with him. Say amen. Amen. So I feel the Lord tonight. It is a very happy night. I feel rest and I feel joy. Which is a wonderful way to pray for the sick. So when you see the Lord heal the sick through spitting in the mud, uh, that says a few things. One of the things it says is that, Hey, uh, Mr. Blind Man, I am the God who formed Adam from the mud. That's one way he expressed that. It's one way John chooses to exemplify that is, he is the one who formed Adam, and so he can form a new eye. Amen? Amen. Uh, that's one way to look at it. It's powerful, it does bring a wow to the heart, it's deeply valuable. But another way to look at it is wow, you heal in the most naturally, at times, offensive ways to the natural mind. Uh, and, and and typically, that is a criticism toward the healing ministry is the way that the healings happen. Now, let me be the first to say that many in the healing ministry merchandised it. It does get weird. doesn't need to be weird. Uh, rarely, on a public uh, platform, have I seen it stewarded well for many years. Now, they are out there, but I'm talking about with the nations watching, so many end up merchandising or uh, uh, adding to the simple flow of the Spirit, you know, placing our bells and whistles on that which is beautiful. And when we add to what is already beautiful, we, we make it less beautiful. Does that make sense? So the Lord says regarding building the altars in the Old Covenant, specifically to Israel, do not put a tool to the altar. I don't need your help. Uh, In such a setting, I just need it to be simple and real and authentic. And that's really the beauty of what's happening here. Is we all started in a little room in a Presbyterian church, not even knowing or caring if anyone would come because we wanted him to come. And Courtney in the back just now, she goes, do you ever just think you're in a dream. You ever just pinch yourself? that Here we are, Courtney and I have been worshiping the Lord together. This is on our, this is our seventh, eighth year. And it's like, do you ever just, of course, I'm blown away by what the Lord does and what he's doing, but how simple it still is. Uh, how there's not a whole lot of production. There aren't lasers and smoke. There's an image of the Lord wearing a crown of thorns and a and an old wooden cross and blue carpet from the early 90s and patterned carpet maybe from 88 or whatever, no. But, but, but the point is, is so much of what we major on and think we need to, to help the Lord with, he doesn't need help with. He just needs us to come in simplicity. So why would the Lord heal through the laying on of hands? What does it say about his heart? Is there a doctrine Uh, pertaining to the laying on of hands, of course. We see that throughout the scripture. But let's go deeper than the doctrine and look into his heart. Uh, Why did he lay hands on the leper, for instance? Uh, Prior to uttering a word in prayer over the leper. And I'll read that in a moment. Well, it tells me that he couldn't help but touch the leper prior to praying for him because the leper knew he was untouchable. So it tells me something of the heart of Jesus. Why would the Lord heal through the declaration of the Word? Because He loves to heal. Why would the Lord heal the Syrophoenician's daughter by sending His Word? Because He loves to heal, huh? Why would He tell the the blind man to wash in the pool of Siloam when He's when He's through? Because He loves to heal. He heals in the morning. He healed during the day. He healed at night. He healed his enemy. I mean, my word, he healed Malchus who came to be part of his arresting party. What does that tell you about him? Now, what I cannot promise any of you is that you will not walk through a scary time physically at some point in your life. I have. I have. I didn't know if I would. Well, in my heart, I knew I'd preach again. Uh, with my voice. Some people didn't. But I knew I would. I felt like God wasn't done with me. But even if I didn't, I found a well that didn't require preaching. Does that make sense? And he had to get me to that place. Because at some point, I'll be done preaching. When I'm 80 or 90. And then I'm still going to have little home meetings. Huh? And rebuke musicians. No. I love musicians. And, uh, but I didn't know if that would ever happen, but I was at peace if it didn't. Uh, but I never lost uh, hope in the Lord and in his character regarding his desire to heal. So the Lord heals us in so many ways because he so loves to heal. Pastor Benny used to say something early on in my time with him, he would say, the front of the cross says speaks salvation and the back of the cross speaks healing. In other words, don't forget about the stripes of Jesus. And and something I ask people, and maybe tonight you're wondering, is this real? Would the Lord really want to heal? Is it for today? Uh, Humbly, I would ask the following questions. Number one, Is there anywhere in this scripture that you can find that explicitly teaches that God has done healing? No. Now, there are theories and theologies that have been framed and formed, but I can show you multiple scriptures that point to God's desire to heal. Beginning with his introduction to Israel, I am the Lord who heals, the present tense, you. By his stripes we were healed, And by his stripes, we are healed when you read Isaiah's account and Peter's account. So we have to ask ourselves that question. Of course, we believe the Lord heals today because we believe the Lord saves today. We believe the Lord is still alive today. We believe in the resurrection. And if we believe in the resurrection and that the Lord has not changed, we believe the Lord heals today. But a good question to ask is this, if if he does not have a heart to heal us, then did he waste his time at the whipping post? Did he just somehow conveniently stop by the whipping post and just mess that part up or did he did he waste his time there? Did he did he take that beating that exposed his bones and internal organs by accident? These are good questions because the scripture clearly connects the stripes of Jesus to our healing. Was there a purpose behind the whipping post? And I think we know the answer to that. Yes. Say amen. Amen. All right. So we want to look at the ways of God expressed in his word. This type of thought, this type of lifestyle will last you a lifetime. Because what you cannot base the foundation of your walk with Jesus regarding physical or emotional healing, you cannot base it on who got healed and who didn't, or whether you did or you didn't. Now, it would be very easy for me to say, the Lord did not heal me uh, with my voice. But my doctor looked me in the eye, and he uh, on my first visit, he came from Vanderbilt University. They have a institute there called the Voice Institute, uh, where they make, literally, their focus, because of all the singing and vocal work in Nashville, their focus is vocal health. And he was trained there, and his mentor helped write the manual on the surgery I needed. So I walk in. Jess was way more freaked out than I was, to be honest. She's like, I don't think I can preach at the church forever. And I want to be able to talk. You know, we'd get in these little arguments, and I couldn't talk. That's how we know we all need the Lord. (laughs) It's amazing that a husband and wife can argue, and one can't talk. (laughs) for six months. All I could do was type on my iPad. And when I'd get mad, I'd type faster. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Look, I'd play in the keys, you know, and I would, and I'd look her in the eye and just give it to her. So funny. And, and, and she'd say something and have to wait like three minutes for the reply. (laughs) She'd be like, you're so annoying. And then that'd make me more mad. I'd be like, just give it to her, you know? Or I have the writing app with the Apple pencil. And I'd be like, and you know, you have to make eye contact. So you're just writing it out. And uh, then I resorted to my own version of sign language because I don't know it. So one time I went like this to her. I was trying to say, you walk there. So I went. (laughs) Now, how many of you felt like that was pretty clear? Yeah, me too. And she goes, what does this mean? And I'm like. what kind of school did they run here? (laughs) She went to school here at OCC. I'm like, what did they teach you? You don't know what this means? So anyways, we went up and uh, the doctor looked me in the eye and he said, I know what you do. I'll never forget it. And he had tears in his eyes. He said, I love Jesus. I've been doing this for 25 years. I was a medical missionary with Billy Graham. I thought I walked into the right doctor's office. And then he looked at me and said, you will preach the gospel again. Oh. With tears in his eyes. And uh, that was the Lord. He did the surgery and uh, (laughs) those scopes, man, that they put up into your face to look at your voice is the worst. Uh, But anyways, in post-op, he brought me back up. I had to drive back up to Atlanta. And he goes, let me show you the pictures, the before and after. So I'm looking at him. And in, in, the, in the after pictures, during the surgery, I see like a white scrunched up cloth in my throat. And I'm like, hey, doc, why'd you put that inside of my throat? And he's like, oh, that's a flame retardant. I said, a what? He goes, I had a flame retardant. I said, why did I need that inside my body? He goes, well, we had to, we had to uh, sear and cauterize uh, some of the blood vessels, and people can catch fire inside. So in case you caught on fire, we wanted to make sure it went out. I go, he goes, and then he said, we specifically didn't, didn't tell you that prior. <laughs> we knew you probably would have run out of the hospital. I said, you're right. I'm glad you didn't tell me that part. But all that to say, the Lord healed me that way. And I'm grateful for that. We think it's all the surgeon, but after they stitch you up, how does the wound close? It's God's healing power. Right? So I'm grateful for that. But let me just show you what we call, well, let's just make it simple, the ways of the Lord. Look at Genesis 1. Ryan, you want to grab a mic real quick? And I want you to carry this pattern or way with you personally for your own health. If you're believing for children. If you are in the healing ministry, which all of you are. I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you. Go ahead and read, Ryan. Just start with verse one. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, stop. What was the Holy Spirit doing? Say hovering. All right. Say this. The Holy Spirit is always first on the scene when God wants to do something. So it always begins with the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now here we see that the Holy Spirit isn't just there, but he's hovering. Now the Hebrew word there can be compared to the way an eagle would hover over a nest that is about to hatch. So say this, God has good intentions for me. It doesn't mean it's always going to work out the way you think it should. But he has good intentions for us. Those, intentions are, those good intentions are kind of like this nest that's about to hatch. Life is just around the corner. Now, how does God bring that life to being? You have to remember, the earth is without form, void, and dark. Now, that speaks of our life prior to the, meeting the Lord, but also anything that the enemy is involved in or anything that's out of order because of a fallen world. And not, not every sickness is because somebody has a demon. That's gotten so weird. I know saintly people who, are, who live some of the holiest lives you've, you'd ever see. They have weakness in their body or issues they wish were not happening. This is just due to a, the fall in a fallen world. Okay, so whenever we see formlessness, anything that's void, and, and anything that's dark, in other words, without the light of God, without clarity, without direction, revelation... You're always going to see God's desire to, to fix that issue begins with the move of the Spirit. Now listen to me. This is one of the secrets to this ministry that this next generation has to get. We do not sing so long because it's the cool thing that Jesus' image does. It's not a branding issue. It's not a soaking issue that we, some of us could do very well, just soaking in the presence of God. That's not the point. The point is, is that for some reason, that we don't fully understand, God has chosen to respond to worship and live in it. All right. So if somebody is troubled out there, There is great value in me bringing them in here. Because God is here. Now, God is there as well. But there is a measure of his presence, a specific experience of his presence that we are privileged to experience in the atmosphere of worship. Does that make sense? So if the Bible says that, listen to the language, God inhabits the praises of his people. That means he lives in them. So if you find a people of praise and worship, you will find the Lord dwelling in their midst. Isn't that wonderful? So it's not to say, I've heard some people say, especially who have an evangelistic bent, which I have, there's nothing to apologize over. It's wonderful. But I've heard people say, they don't need to come here. We need to go there. It's actually both. It's actually both. I mean, if we're going to gather, I want the Lord to be here. Or I don't want to gather. (laughs) I have no desire. Same? Same with you? Okay, so when I walk in with an issue that is not from the Lord Jesus, I step into a place where a people are in covenant with God, who have committed their lives to be worshipers and exalt him. Listen, now listen carefully. The way he has asked to be exalted. So we don't get to tell him this is what you like. Cuz he doesn't like everything. <laughs> he doesn't like every song. Oh, I'm not free. I'm feeling controlled in my worship. Sorry. <laughs> the Lord gets to say this is what I like. Right. And that isn't you you don't discover that through a prophetic word. It's in the scriptures. He specifically tells us what worship is, what praise is, and what it is not. So when a people learn to worship, God makes a home with them. And that's what he's done here. It's not because we're special. It's just because by his mercy, we've decided to look at him and adore him. Amen? So that flushes out in an environment like this through extended periods of worship. And the breakthrough will be greater than you could ever imagine. I mean, gosh, uh, we were in staff meeting Wednesday on the new church property. It was beautiful with the big cross in the background. We were all in amazement what the Lord has done. And I said, it's testimony time. And so for the first, I don't know, or at least when I got there, the 35, 40 minutes, we just shared testimonies. The amount of healing testimonies that took place without specific prayer, just by people tuning in, is unbelievable. It's a dream come true. How is that happening? Yes, the Lord is doing it. In what setting amongst people who worship? So he inhabits the praises of his people. And when he does, listen carefully, the atmosphere changes. Well, this isn't weird, new age stuff. God understands the power of an atmosphere. Does this make sense to you? You say, prove in the Bible. I am so glad you asked. (laughs) Jesus is walking in to the home to raise the dead girl after the woman with the issue of blood is basically healed kind of by accident. He's just walking. She touches him, she gets healed. He stops and speaks with her. By the time he gets to the young girl's house, she's dead. But according to Jesus, she's sleeping. Don't we need the Lord's perspective so that we don't fear death? It's just a little nap. Remember when you were a kid, you'd fall asleep and you never wanted to? Did anybody else here remember like dreading? falling asleep as a kid. I don't know what it's going to be like when I fall asleep. You fall asleep and it's morning. Right? And, and, and when you wake up in the morning, you weren't like, oh, that sleep took forever. It's just you closed your eyes, you opened them and it was morning. That's what death is to the saints. We close our eyes, we open them, it's morning. And only these eyes close. So Jesus says, no, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And then he does something amazing that I've done in a hospital. When I did it, I couldn't believe I did it. I thought I had mental problems. He goes in and tells the family to leave because he serves his father. He's not for sale. What amazes me, think of this for a moment, is that by him shifting certain people out of a room, that's not a mansion, by the way. We're not talking about a 20,000 square foot estate. We're talking about an Israeli-Galilean dwelling where if the wrong people can just get on the right side of of a wall that's four inches thick and made with dried up clay, everything changes. Isn't that something? So while they're on the, let's just say, the left side of the four inches of clay, it's not the right atmosphere. But if he can move the wrong people outside of the right room, it's the right atmosphere now. And it's not like he banished them to Syria. He just said, hey, you're on this side of this wall. Go to that side of this wall. Incredible. The specifics of the Lord are incredible. And what happens? The girl gets up. He does it again I'm not supposed to preach tonight Ugh. All right, is this good? Yeah. okay I, I feel like it is <laughs> And I don't mean it's like I'm preaching great I just feel the communion of the Lord while I'm doing it so I'm going to just keep going it's your fault alright so I told her tonight in the back like, I ain't preaching she goes but I came in town and I'm like who cares no <laughs> do we love court she is family I hate, I hate when she has to go on these uh, missions trips back to Houston. <laughs> You'll be back home soon. Next week. So, there's a food shortage issue. And the Lord comes and uh, starts to, as a wonderful shepherd, put things in order doesn't just jump straight to the food multiplication. He says, no, 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 before this happens, things need to be in their right order. And order is important. I want to sit there for a second because we all have these dreams of what services should look like. What we long to see. We read testimonies of Amy or... Miss Coolman, Mother Edder, or Wigglesworth, or whoever the great uh, moves of God in the past. We read the testimonies, but never w- wonder what type of heart and, and non-negotiables these people fought for when we gathered. Does this make sense? And so the Lord comes and he tells the disciples, uh, break them up into 50s and 100s. Now, to the natural mind, you'd say, what does that have to do with multiplying a, a, a grouper? Or not a grouper. It would have been a St. Saint, Saint Peter's fish. What's that have to do with multiplying bread and fish? Who cares how many people are sitting in groups? It matters to the Lord. So it begins to put things in order because there are certain places, listen carefully, that you cannot get to as a people regarding the move of the Spirit without divine order. There are rules in the presence of God. So this wasn't about healing the sick here. This required the multiplication of fish and bread. And according to the Lord Jesus, this required divine order order this miracle also required partnership with this team so tonight our team will come up you'll see they'll they'll minister to you but you see the lord here take bread and fish put them in the disciples hands and somehow on their way to the hungry people the multiplication starts The scripture doesn't tell us that the food multiplied in Jesus' hands. But when the partnership took place and they stepped out in faith, remember, the Lord had already blessed the bread. Now all it took was partnership and faith. What I can tell you tonight, I don't have to ask the Lord to bless his word. His word is blessed. Blessed. His word is already blessed. Isn't that wonderful? That he takes the bread, looks up to his father, thanks him for it, blesses it. It is then broken and it multiplies when partnership takes place. This is powerful. That is the place of obedience and risk. Gotta take a risk. What if I look stupid? It's a wonderful way to look. Maybe we need to look more stupid. Maybe we look too put together. Maybe our desire for dignity is robbing us of the wondrous move of the Holy Spirit. Maybe. Maybe God's looking for uh, children who aren't so mature in their own eyes that they Cannot be used like a little child. Is this this registering? So first we see here, and then I'll stop, I promise. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, which is why, one of the reasons why we baptize people in water. Because the waters have been blessed since Genesis 1. Thank you, Lord. Ryan, read verse three now. So for number one, say the move, the, the move of the Spirit. Okay, now let's get to number two. Read verse three. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Stop. First, we have that precious atmosphere of God's presence that is always available in a worshiping people. And when the setting is right, once the Holy Spirit, I sense him now, once the Holy Spirit starts to move, it just takes a few sensitive vessels. And if they've walked together for a while, they'll typically be in step at just about the same time. Because they become children of the cloud, children of the wind. And he's become their food. So they're, that's the beauty, you know, I've been saying since we started as a, family. My dream for our staff is that we can look down the front row in 20 years. By that time, my whole beard will be white. Most likely my head. That's the plan. Hopefully they match. And we'll all be able to look at one another knowing the ways of the Lord together. What a dream for, for, for any any team, any family. That's a beautiful testimony. And so typically, one person, two, three, who knows how many in a meeting. It depends really on how well they know Jesus privately. Uh, when you learn him privately and understand him, and get to know him through the scriptures and through prayer, his, his movements become your... Uh, they become your deepest pleasure to yield to because you're moving with the one you love and if you're in love you want to be close so if he's going two steps left you don't want to go three steps right because distance feels like death it's not condemnation you're just in love he's not into long distance wants you to be close so the Holy Spirit starts moving the room changes hearts change, they're awakened to his presence, then it's time for the word of God. I'm I'm, I'm helping you here. Then God said, look down at verse 3, then God said. What did God do? Did he move first or speak first? No, he moved first. The Holy Spirit came. Remember, he sealed team six. He's like the first one on the ground. He's prepping the atmosphere. And then once the Holy Spirit starts moving, it requires the declaration of the word. And Ryan, what happens when the word is declared? Read it. And God said, And God said, Let there be light. Light. That which was dark comes to life, that which is hidden must be exposed. You what's what does that have to do with sickness? Where does pestilence dwell according to Psalm 91? In darkness. In darkness. The mystery of sickness, the supposed power of sickness, thrives in darkness. Every evil work dwells where there's envy and strife. And you'll find sickness there as well. And God's desire is to turn the lights on. So, that someone who's believing God is not so intimidated by a tumor that they feel like they will not make it. The lights go on, and you see God as being much bigger than diabetes, much bigger than glaucoma, much bigger than varicose veins, much bigger than arthritic pain, much bigger than any weakness in our body because the lights have gone on. And the lights go on when the Holy Spirit moves and when God's word is declared. Amen? So we've ministered to the Lord. I sense his presence here beautifully. And Joel, I want you to help me. Just some strings. And then I just want to read some promises to you. I'd like the team to come up, Ryan. Bring your team up, please. Now, if you need a healing in your body, you don't have to do anything special. This is not magic. It's the word of God. And I just want to read you a few of these healing promises. And, and, and I'm going to ask that you you grab them with your heart. Okay? 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 Yes or no? Yes. I'm looking for faith. I want you to listen to this. Psalm 30, verse 2. This is so precious. I love this one. Listen to the simplicity of the Lord's heart. Oh, Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. It doesn't say I went on a pilgrimage. I asked, I called to you, and you healed me. Isn't he wonderful? Psalm 41, verses two through three. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. I feel this one strong. There's somebody here who has a great fear of dying young. You are petrified of sickness. I want you to hear this. The Lord will protect you and preserve your life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. Some of you are so afraid of the devil. Afraid maybe of what people can do to you? The The scripture says he will not surrender you to the desire of your enemies. Listen to this last promise. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from the bed of illness. Thank you, Jesus. Now for this familiar, beautiful psalm. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, All his benefits who forgives all your sins say all and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit anybody live in the pit before Jesus and crowns you he doesn't stop at healing he pulls you up out of the pit he forgives your sins heals your diseases then redeems you from the pit and then he crowns you with love and his own compassion Psalm 107 verses 19 through 21 they cried to the lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress he sent forth his word and healed them he rescued them from the grave say thank you jesus can I give you a few more? Yes. Here's a beautiful one. Anybody here, be honest in the Lord's presence. Does anybody here have a broken heart tonight? Come on, lift your hand. If you, don't, don't be ashamed. You're, you're in a safe place. Yeah, I've had my heart broken so many times. If you've never had your heart broken, your heart might be hard. If you live with a heart that's on and that loves big and values what the Lord values, commitment, humility, loyalty, faithfulness, people are going to let us down because we let people down. We're all susceptible to a broken heart. It's part of the Christian life. But listen to this promise. Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted. He doesn't just heal our physical bodies. If you have a broken heart tonight, put your hand back up. Leave it up until I'm done reading this verse. I'm going to read this over you as a promise. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. They say a broken heart is harder to heal than a broken leg, unless you're Jesus. He will bind up your wounds. Sometimes when the heart is broken, we feel like we have open wounds and that they'll never close. He'll bind them up. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been known, actually, around the world, church, as a people who fear the Lord. Honestly, uh, people have told me, leaders, they come in, they go, I sense the fear of God on your team. Well, I have a promise for you. Proverbs 3, verses 7 through 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Does anybody depart from evil here? Anybody who wants nothing to do with evil? Well, it will be health to your flesh, the Scripture says. And strength to your bones. If you fear the Lord and hate evil, you're not just promised healing, but strength. Strength to go on. I feel the presence of God. Strength, strength to uh, fulfill the call of God on your life comes with the fear of God. Anybody love the scriptures here? (laughs) Of course, you wouldn't have survived this long here if you didn't. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, don't just read them. Lean into them. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them. So keep the scriptures in front of your eyes and then keep them in your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. What does that offer me? For they are life to those who find them and health, health to all their flesh. The scriptures to the person who keeps them, who treasures them like Mary treasured that promise from Gabriel. She pondered that she would be with child even though she was a virgin. She pondered them in the heart. And as we do the same, as we ponder the scriptures and treasure them and keep them as being holy and filled with life, Our bodies are promised health. It's right here. Proverbs 13, 17. Listen to this. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Everybody here is an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. And part of being faithful is to teach the Bible regarding God's desire to heal our bodies, to heal our minds. In our hearts. Amen. Two more. Listen to this. Oh, man. Do you know the gospel is the best news? It's the best. It's not, yes, it's called good news. I understand the meaning. But it's better than good, according to our interpretation of good. It is ridiculously outside our capability Of me that God took my sin and gave me himself God said okay here's what I want out of this deal you and you get me now how many of you know that we got the better end of the bargain yes or no How many of you look back at your life pre-Jesus and think it just makes all the human sense in the world to rule and reign with him in the age to come? (laughs) You think you earned that at the club or getting hammered out at some bar? Think of what we received. That we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is the Bible. He has determined to make his bride his own righteousness. Can, I, can, you, can we fry your brain more? According to Ephesians 3, the church has become the university to the angels as to how God deals with us. They are learning about God, according to Ephesians 3, by how the Lord deals with his church. They are blown away. That God is so in love with us I think they scratch their head and go, are you sure? Are you sure you want to use Michael? Are you sure you want to use Beth Are you sure you want to use Joe? I mean, are you sure? Don't you know their past? Don't you know what they did in the past? Do you understand? So the gospel is not just good news according to good in its earthly definition. It is such good news that the angels gaze in to the majesty of the gospel and watch God relate with us. Because they know if they do what we did, there's no way home. You screw up as an angel, you're toast. But for some reason, because he decided to make us into his image. He didn't just forgive our sin, listen carefully, but made our bodies his temple. God lives inside of us. God, the same God we just read about in Genesis 1, lives inside of you and has chosen to marry you and will eternally show you off. As the reward to his worthy son. That's the gospel. That the Lord Jesus suffered, died, raised again, buried for us and as us. To eternally represent us to the Father while we represent him to the world. This is a beautiful, beautiful, majestic story. That once you're born again, is the only story that makes sense. But it's so good, it doesn't make sense here. It makes sense here. God became a man to bring man to God. Hallelujah is right. It's beautiful. Okay, so that's the gospel. So let me tell you what happens when a good report like the gospel, that is good news, comes our way. The light of the eyes, Proverbs fifteen thirty. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. And a good report, I just shared a really good report with all of you, that Christ has overcome. A good report makes the bones healthy. How many of you feel like you just got good news in the gospel? That's the best news. It makes the bones healthy. Oh, last one. Isaiah 58, verse 8. May this be tonight. Then your light, say Jesus is my light, shall break forth like the morning. You don't have to read it. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Your healing shall break forth speedily, the scripture says, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You don't have to worry about your past catching up to you if you just follow Jesus. No, let the Lord be your rear guard, and he will. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, oh, if you only knew what my life was like. I get it, but that person is dead dead keep that person dead by following the cloud and god will kill egypt behind you and drown egypt in the red sea amen amen if you enjoyed this podcast you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give you can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit JesusImage.tv.